Rebel FM episode two hundred and sixty eight. Hey, no, two hundred and sixty six. No, how have you gotten this wrong every week? Like, what is the direction in which you've gotten it wrong every week? Two hundred and sixty nine. Bingo. Okay. <laughs> so next time, I want you to take what your guess is and add one, uh, and then you'll probably still be wrong, but there will be a better chance of you being right. It's uh, it's September 2015. It's almost October. It is almost October, and there's many great games on the horizon. Not so many great games, I feel like, in this last week. Like, what came out this week? Um, exactly. Did you want to introduce people? While oh, yeah, I'm Anthony Gallegos. Joining me is uh, Arthur Geese. Hi. Matt is working. Mitch is, I don't know, is he back from, is he's he still in Japan? He's fucking off in Japan. Yeah, right he's now. on vacation, right? In, in Kyoto right now. I think he's like coming back today or something like that. Mm, today or tomorrow, yeah. Okay, well, whatever. How time works there, I don't know. I'll be back for next week. Mitch is putting on weight, and uh, I will be gone. And James Faulkner is here. I'm back. I want to talk about. I was there as well, but I came back. Yeah. You Did, can talk about how disappointed you are. What's the coolest game you saw in Japan? Delayed. Coolest game? What was something that's actually like you're like, okay, I would probably, I might try that. Uh, I played Pokken. What's that? That's it's, the Pokemon fighting game, that's right? That's the Pokemon game made by the Tekken guys. Is it actually a Pokemon game? Yeah. Like it's a legitimate Pokemon fighting yeah. game? It, uh, you can play as Pikachu, you can play as Lucario, Machop. Anthony just got interested. No, I'm just amazed that this ever happened. Yeah. Why? Like, they th- had a fucking Zelda Musou game. Why wouldn't they do a Pokemon fighting game? I don't know, man. Game? I'm just like, nowadays, honestly, if I hear anything that sounds interesting out of TGS, I'm just surprised. Yeah. Because I feel like TGS used to be one of those shows where people did enough announcements and Japan was still making a bunch of crazy games. But I feel like nowadays, a lot of the stuff I see coming out of TGS is like, if I was a JRPG fan, I'd be, okay, you know. Yeah, last year was very dead. Like, there was not a lot announced. Um, they didn't have, a, like, a real big... Con- like, it's, it's usually the biggest thing is the Sony conference. And this yeah. year, like, they announced... Uh, Bloodborne uh, expansion. Yep, yeah, and the... Uh, what's the Gravity game? Gravity oh, Ghost. yeah, that was yeah. weird. It was, but it's not a sequel, like I thought. It's they just they did re- announce a sequel and, oh, a, okay. and a PS4 remake. Okay, I thought it was just which, the remake. Hey, maybe people will play it this time because yeah. nobody bought it on Vita. Yeah, it was it was a pretty cool game. I'm surprised that they're giving it any additional love in a way. Yeah. Um, uh, there was Dragon Quest Builders, which is like the Minecraft game. Yeah, it's just like it's just like, but it's like not even Mine Quest. It's just yes. they put Dragon Quest's name on a game that's not really Dragon Quest yeah. and gave it some Dragon Quest art. I'm sure there will be some slimes. There was definitely some slimes. That's what I mean. They just they just yeah. took like a thing and they put a Dragon Quest veneer on it. Yeah. Um, and other than that, oh, uh, no, Dark Souls wasn't really there. But uh, is that where it was announced? No, no, everyone knew that was coming. So no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I just, I'm just saying. I like, I just feel it, like. Yeah. I mean, that's when they finally showed it for real. Yeah, they like. they finally put out. Directly. Like you know, at E3 when we had oh shit moments, like oh shit, they showed the Last Guardian, or oh shit, that new crazy game from Gorilla looks cool. Like, Did they show Last Guardian? Did, was that no, they had an interactive wall. That's so weird. Yeah, they they had a wall where you could walk up and like hold a ball and uh, Trico. Or bird dog would come up and you could like play. Like he'd be like ah and jump at you. That's so 
Yeah, at this point, why aren't you like letting that people game play it? Was gonna be there, yeah. and then it wasn't there. I I, I just don't feel so like they did have you have any show. oh shit moments? No. Okay. Uh, I I played MGO, and I was like, oh shit, this is gonna be fun. But so it, MGO, but that thing is out in like two weeks. MGO also is like it's just it's like GTA Online, right? It's just like an add-on for MGS Five. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's it's like the actual competitive multiplayer it, as opposed to the base rating. Yes. Okay. Uh, it is. I think six on six, and the mode uh, we played is called Bounty Hunter. Uh-huh. Do you actually stealth in it, or you, you can you can play a self a stealth class? Which okay, I'm just wondering, is that actually successful, or is it just like no, you should just be a cover based shooter? Uh, so you can kind of play two ways. If you play as, as in Bounty Hunter, at least if you kill everyone, you start building up a bounty. Okay, um, and that take away takes away from like their tickets. So they have things like we played with twenty five or thirty tickets, um, but. If you successfully like choke them out or trank someone with a high bounty and then fulton them out, you get those tickets back to your t- your team's counter. Oh, so there's an incentive to not kill them. There's an incentive to not kill them. Now it's hard, but you can also use like, hey, if someone's in a D walker and they're like attracting a bunch of attention, you can you can have a stealth class that all they do is like sneak up behind some people, like in the back lines, take them out and extract them out. How do they sneak out? Are they literally like they are in cloak? They are. They okay. have an actual cloak. That's what I was wondering because like doing stealth where you don't provide an actual cloak is like so hard with yes. players. You know? Yeah, it's because it, most of them take place at, during the daytime, or it's and like a flat plane. Yeah. Or, um, and like, is there verticality to their maps? Yeah. Okay. Uh, mo- most of the maps that I saw like had either different planes or they were b- buildings with you couldn't like go interior like have like multiple interiors. But it was like, hey, railings that go around the side, and you can climb up stuff. Like, it had all the Metal Gear, like, open world type stuff, but it was in a contained map. Okay. Well, I mean, it sounds cool if you bought Metal Gear, right? Yeah, it's so, free. Like, you're um, going to get it on the And stick. it sounds like it might appeal to people more I than the base it. rating, because I feel like everything I've heard about the base rating is people tell me, yeah, it's pretty cool, but it's way hard. It's, like, really hard. Uh, everyone uses grenade launchers in FOB, which is just like you walk in and say, all right, everyone just start shooting each other with rocket, like the best grenade launcher in the game. Oh. Um, <laughs> Arthur's just doing what Arthur does, which is interject cats into our lives. Cat shoving on Twitter. Cat shoving his head through a box. Um, his or her head through a box. It's head. We'll say it's their, yeah. their head. Yeah. Um, so Japan, other than that, other than the uh, video games that you saw, did you see what other video game things did you do? You went to Akihabara, of course, because yeah. you were there, uh, and bought a bunch of crap for other people. I didn't buy anything for myself. Yeah, like people, like that's the way I am. I'm like, well, you could go and buy like an old Famicom game or something like that, but a, you don't have a Japanese system that's going to play. And B, I mean, if you had a Retron, you could play it. Sure, but also B, they know what they have and they're going to charge you. Like, you're not going to get it there for cheap or something. Yeah, know? and it's also incredibly picked over now. Uh, there was an article written by, I think, Chris Kohler. That uh, sounds like the most likely suspect. Uh, about how, especially, like, Super Potato is just... It's, uh, everything is gone. Everything's gone. Like, it's just a bunch of copies of crap that is so easy to come by. Who cares? Yeah, or, or the things that you want are incredibly expensive. Right. Like, like, even more so than the last, like, three years. Because they know now yeah. that they're rare. Okay. And, or, and because they've become more rare mm-hmm. as, like, collectors have flown to japan or like they, they take the, they took them out of the ecosystem of like people would buy things play them and then return them to yeah. super potato collectors other, are other... ruining it basically yeah. um shocking that western collectors are ruining the japanese used game market i saw a weird moba uh arcade game like an actual arcade game yeah 
like you, it was a, a hundred yen, um, so like a dollar. Yeah, just like a little bit less than a dollar to have a play, which I, I think was actually time based. Okay. Uh, and you used a it looked like an orb that had like a little joystick on top and a pen to like touch the screen and like uh. cast spells and stuff. So you touched the screen to where you like wanted your character to go. Yeah, and like basically like tap to like cast spells so like you would like drag and stuff like that. Wait, I didn't play. Was it, it multiplayer? To, yeah. So it was like a bunch of stations. It was, about, it was about six stations. And you'd play just like three v three MOBA. Yeah, uh, from what I understood, like, like, did you see people playing it? Yeah, there were about uh, there's one station open, and why I say I think it was time based is because a guy in the middle of a match got up and ran to the change machine to put in like another like five thousand yen. That's fucked up. That's not no to like because to, 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 you have to get more stuff. <laughs> His team's no. pushing and he's like, oh, we're gonna lose now. <laughs> I ran out of tokens. No, that's no. That's bullshit. So, yeah. but the arcades are there are living arcades there. Yeah, like they were super busy. There was an entire floor dedicated to some uh, Gundam game that I've never heard of. Was so, was it at TGS last week that it was announced that Street Fighter Five wasn't going to get like an arcade release or something? I Ooh. think it was. Yeah, um, I'm sure they'll put them in cabinets somehow, like fake like ones the, where they put like a PlayStation. It'll come in out. It. Yeah, I think that it'll come out on on PlayStation 4 and PC before arcades. Um, were there arcade machines at TGS? Uh, not that I saw. Uh, okay. It, it, it was mainly uh, mobile games. Oh, really? Uh, a lot of mobile games. Uh, there's some steampunk game um, that, like, we, we've, again, we've never heard of that's incredibly popular, and the, they had the biggest booth, like, bigger than Wargaming, which usually has the biggest booth. Right. It's, like, some free-to-play thing that's, like, big in the East, but yeah. no one cares here. And they had a giant, like, uh, blimp ship that you could get on and they have like uh, cosplayers I on. feel like I know what game that is because I feel like I went to E3 the year I worked at Zombie and they were trying to show it to people but no one gave a shit and yeah. it was like one of those Chinese you know it was like mm-hmm. the same people that made like Age of Wushu or something mm-hmm. like that like one of those games that we were like ah, okay sure is an MMO but that's that's cool did you I mean it's interesting that arcades are still popping did you see a bunch of capsule machines yeah, they were everywhere. Those were like we went to like a statue at like a statue store. And what is a statue store? A capsule store? Is that what they not mean by particularly? That? They, they they have like full size statues and everything. But in the corners of all the stores were like thirty, like thirty rows of like. That's so. It's just interesting the things there that are like still cut on. You know, whereas capsule machines here are like relegated to the corner of an old ass grocery store that hasn't cleared it out, and yeah. they just have like. And they have good stuff in them too. If yeah. you're into like certain. As like opposed certain. to here where you have, like, WWF, like, <laughs> glitter stickers and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, Fake tattoos. Fake tattoos. Uh, uh, Other than that, TGS, yeah, it was fun. Like, Japan's fun, but, yeah, there wasn't a lot of... Uh, uh, oh, Dark Souls 3, which I played. Um, and they shut off the magic system for the first time, which also integrated a little bit of what Bloodborne did, where you can like stance change it's like you can always you can always like two-hand a weapon but there is this new uh, i think it was called gauge what they called it where it was some an, dumb name yeah it was another uh, like like mana or uh, stamina where you could use either use it to cast spells or use it to uh like do special moves like with a long sword where you'd come up from under so you could kind of like lift them l- lift them or launch them or get under shields um, oh, so you can still attack them from the front? Yeah. That's interesting. And each each different weapon had different moves, like the dual scimitars. You could like spin around in a circle. Yeah. Are you a Dark Souls player? Uh, 
I played a bunch of two, never beat it. I played a bunch of one, never beat it. I just it. feel like between Dark Souls and Bloodborne, I'm wondering at what point are people going to get like the Assassin's Creed type fatigue? You know what I mean? And not to mention Assassin's Creed still sells well, but I'm just saying like just colloquially, like or not colloquially, but like anecdotally for my friends, you know, I get like eventually their excitement is like slowly decreased a little bit. You I know? think this will be probably the peak. Maybe if it, if it didn't peak with Bloodborne. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, the, like two Souls games in one year. The main dude wasn't on Bloodborne, or he was, or whatever. He wasn't, or he wasn't on two because he was working on Bloodborne, and now he's back on three. So when but does three come out? They're also releasing a Bloodborne expansion in November. Right. Is three out this year? It's uh, early next year. Yeah, early okay. Next year. Um, I think people are mad because it's coming out in Japan first. Did uh, were there American games there too? Mm-hmm. Like okay. Uh, Black Ops, which I had like a really bad video presentation or something at the Sony press conference, I guess. Oh yeah, I think that was for E. Was it EA or something? No, mm-hmm. like the the head of Treyarch or something did. Oh like, a video yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember that. I don't exactly remember what the. I just I was no, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch any of this stuff. I just remember reading about it. Like all mm-hmm. I read were te- were all I saw were like hints of hot takes. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, it's just like TGS has never been less relevant to me. Do you know what was big? Hmm. Was Battlefront. Really? Yeah. I guess, I mean, they Japan like Star Wars. fucking Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars was everywhere when we were there. Like, And of course, um, Mitch would stop in in every single store. Star Wars Land, I'm sure, will be huge for, yeah. you know, I mean, Jap- Disney Tokyo. I mean, there's a reason that Disneyland exists in one other place other than America. <laughs> yeah. It's Japan. There's a good chance that Battlefront could be like one of the biggest games of the year. Yeah. In Japan. So, anywhere yeah but there, there's there's decent line to, to play that and again we didn't go on public day so i didn't see the public day lines um, oh yeah but like i'm assuming that i mean that show also just is crazy for like the amount of stuff that's there which is not a whole lot those halls get packed like it is just wall to wall with people all that's all i saw from people who went on those days i mean the japanese still like video games yeah, yeah it's just mobile it seems yeah. like the jam now so cool. Uh, uh, P.S. The Street Fighter No Arcade release thing was back in July. I think people just got re mad at it this <laughs> year or at TGS for some reason. I mean, people that want to have that arcade experience will make a cabinet for it. I feel like no, because that's not. It's not about playing on the machine. It's about playing on the machine in a place where other people come to play on that machine. Like it's a culture thing. Yeah. I guess it's just like in a maybe in Japan I could see how that's a big even deal. here like they're like Street Fighter machines are like fighting game machines are some of the only arcade machines that still make it over here yeah. and they aren't everywhere but there are specific places where people drive for like an hour or longer to go to like Golfland and yeah. places like that like <laughs> they drive to San Jose to play arcade games like fighting games specifically and yeah. so for that not to go to arcades is feels kind of like a betrayal. I would assume arcades would adapt and just have a PS4 and everything you could hook up to. But I get, I, I get, I get why you would like if they wanted that draw. But it's again, how do you do it with quarters? Yeah, I don't. I, it's just, it's just such like a, a weird sort of. It's not even vestigial. It's just like such a, a, a sort of grassroots element of, of fighting game support. Mm-hmm. Um, I played a game from Japan. Yeah. Yeah. This last week, I bought Super Mario Maker. Nice. And. uh I was a little annoyed at the fact that they make you actually create something before you can just play the game, like play the actual just like other people's levels. Uh-huh. But when as soon as I got past that crap, because I'm not in it to make anything for anyone. No, you're a moocher. I'm a moocher. You're the one that I, I like the levels that they include. Mm-hmm. Some of them are really clever. Some of them are meh. But I find that 
it's it, I have I've seen the common complaint and it's true the the uh, they know nothing about how to like properly like curate everything. Well, are you talking about Nintendo and like yes, their like, curation? Like tools. the actual in-game curation sucks. Yeah, I I've heard that. Like, I haven't played it. Uh, I've only like seen our coverage, or IGN's coverage of it, but. I f- yeah, I feel like again, Nintendo always has an idea of like, oh yeah, people will use it this way, and they're like, well, no. I mean, like the, honestly, like it's a game that no one has really played, mm-hmm. but Project Spark does level cre- curation like the best of any sort of like, mm-hmm. per- like in-game curation thing. Like they do a really excellent job with it. Like, but not- it's a lot easier to do that when there's not nearly as many people making shit for your game. It's true, but I, I just mean that categorically, like, mm-hmm. like in Spark, you can be like. People can tag their game and be like, I've made a sports game. I've made this to be this. And so you can do things like search by user tags and stuff like that. So, like, all of a sudden you can find, like, you can search by, like, tags that people have tagged it as, Mm -hmm. you know. So, and then if you find a creator, you can very easily just follow that creator's levels, which I feel like there's probably a way to do in Mario Maker. But again, there is. None of it is is quite as intuitive. Yeah. And, like, especially the star rankings, they're so deceptive because it's just like a bunch of people starred this level, but it isn't like, doesn't mean it's a good level. Like, like if you want a Mario experience, like yeah. I feel like half everyone's like, designing something that they want to fuck over the person yes. that is playing it so rather e- than actually like you either play it. you either get that mm-hmm. or you get the first twenty levels or so on the Mario Maker top star rankings are all don't press a button levels. Oh, the, like uh, the, the auto and so they just autoplay. Yeah, and it's like okay, yes, it was neat that you managed to make this guy bounce in such a way, and you made each thing play out the notes to Legend of Zelda or something like mm-hmm. that. But it's not fun. Like yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, but I'd rather just at that point I'll just watch a fucking YouTube video. Like, I, but I feel like a lot of user created games, including like uh, Trackmania, tend to those tend to be the top ranked ones. Where I know, it's just like press forward, which press is lame. Press forward to go, but it's yeah. like at the same time in Little Big Planet. Again, because their creation tools were better, I found like a crazy, really crazily good Dead Space level that was actually like creepy in, mm-hmm. in Little Big Planet of all things. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel like the curation tools in it feel like if like this had come out in the GameCube era, I would have been like, oh, this is what curation's all about. Mm-hmm. But it just feels fucking dated. Like on the day it came out, I like, mean, and I, we'll see if they they sort of respond to that because. Like they've demonstrated a willingness to respond to community feedback with something like Splatoon. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, what you're talking about is something that despite like mentioning stuff like Little Big Planet and Project Spark, like very few games get right. Like curation no, they, is incredibly hard. They do it, but it's just like when your entire game is about player made content only, pretty much. Like, like and, and there's millions of levels for it. It's like uh I think that you'll see like a sort of burgeoning community of like people and sites like like ign and polygon even like that mm-hmm. want to curate good levels for you yeah that's that's um, one way and like subreddits and stuff are like like some of the only yeah. other ways but that's lame where you have to input like a, codes a 12 code. digit code yeah. every yeah. time yeah, like that's the play. default way of people sharing their shit by showing an image with the fucking number on it yeah. like what is that yeah i uh, mean like do i mean qr codes or whatever like it has a camera on it or like anything that you could like sh- take a shortcut to like get in the game, but uh, there's nothing. You should check out Devs Make Mario on Polygon. We just had the guy who made Spelunky do a Mario Maker that. level. We're See, having like fairly major game designers. That's what, that's what I want to play, right? And it's like I know that one of like the designers from old S id Doom days, like it's like, hey, I made a level, and he's still designer did. And it's like I want to play that. Yeah, uh, we had uh, Igarashi from Castlevania do a level for us he was like the debut of that that show but we're doing like a new one every week see that's cool and that's that's the type of things it's like 
I wish that Nintendo had like an active community manager on it. Like maybe they do, but I'm saying an active community manager that had the ability to be like, to like bump, bump, you know, when you land, up to yeah, like you know, like when you land in the the, God damn it, what's it called? The Battle.net homepage. You know, like even if you click on the StarCraft thing, it's like featured arcade thing. Yeah. You know, it's like so it just needs like some stuff like that, like I, where they could call out other people's content and be like, look at this fucking thing. I, but everything you're saying is so antithetical to like Japanese like ways of looking at games, game design. Like, yeah, Little Big Planet is not a Japanese game, and no, like, neither is Project Spark. Yeah, I'm just saying that. Like, like I can't think of a Japanese game. It's just a that. game that feels like it should have a landing hub that updates like all the time of like new content and stuff like that. You know? Have you been doing the Hundred Mario Challenge? No, I've done a bunch of the eight, Mar- the ten Mario challenges where mm-hmm. it's eight levels, ten Mario's. Um, yeah, I want to try the hundred level one. I'm curious about that because, so I think that one pulls in levels from online uh, as well, um, like random levels. Uh, yeah, for I think online community. That games. seems like a terrible idea. Because there are definitely people who make nearly impossible levels. Yeah. Oh yeah, there are definitely people. I mean, the thing about it too that like I took it over to my friend's house the other day and we played. And we played this level that was called, like, Super uh, Super Meat Mario Boy or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so it was, like, Super Meat Boy, like, complete with, like, the spinning blades and you have to yeah. do perfect jumps. And that would be great if the load time... I'm going to make... It sounds petty. The load time when you die is probably, like, eh, five seconds mm-hmm. every time you die, though. So when you have a level where you're most likely going to die in the first, like, three to five seconds of each try... That like starts to get tedious. Like, oh, die one, two. That three, seems really four. long. All right, oh, die one, two, oh, man. three. And it's just like it's just not instant the way Super Meat Boy is. You know, like Super Meat Boy. Well, is you, you hit B and you jump it's, back. It's literally yes. You can hit B mid jump and you're already playing again. Mm-hmm. And it's like it feels like it really needs something like that for a lot of the levels that are being made because they're so hard yeah. that it's just like it's just like a little. It just makes it a little. T- it's such a small thing. But I feel like those games aren't that that hard that they couldn't just instantly snap you back. Did you hear about the Amiibo integration? Uh, no, I have not heard about it. Do enlighten me about the Amiibo integration. To uh, that Amiibo over there, 30th when anniversary you put it Mario. on the thing, it adds a CRT effect to the screen. Yeah. But you would unlock after a certain amount of time, but it, apparently they take a, like a bunch of time to unlock, so all the Amiibos are just like... Think- What's the CRT effect? It, it's a post-processing effect on the screen, so it looks like you're playing on a CRT. You mean it just makes like the color shitty and pale, or what? Uh, I assume that it like does it throws the RGB channels in different directions, like it creates a chroma aberration, and then they put like some weird scan lines, probably. I think. So and so, are you saying the other amiibos just do weird things to like? You, I you, mean, you, they you, drop characters from those yeah. games. You can play as, like, yeah, right. Which I've seen. You can also already play like as Zelda. Yeah, like if you or like not sorry, you can play as Link. <laughs> Wow, I just did that. You can also play Samus and stuff like that. How does Zelda crawl? And uh, you can do all those things, so I imagine that that's just a way to instantly do it, as opposed to, like, you know, certain levels. I think some of them you you can't get... Like, you couldn't design a level if you didn't have these... Uh, So maybe the people that put Samus in a level is because they own the Samus. I think that's how it works. But but you can still, if you put it online, you could still play it. I just don't think think you could... I could use in creation. I don't think you can use it in creation. From what I understand, the only thing that's kind of fucked just up. Just sell me a to DLC me, pack, you motherfuckers. That's not an amiibo. The thing that's fucked up to me about that is just that like Nintendo supply chain stuff sucks so bad yeah. that there's just stuff you'll never yeah. be able to get. Like Spark does that. Like there was the Conquer pack, right? And you had to buy it to get the Conquer assets and make Conquer stuff. But that was a shitload of stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, it's like it's like. But you didn't have to buy a, a plastic toy that you had to find. I guess it's more like Skylanders because like with Skylanders, like there are definitely figures that go on sale and then just vanish. Yeah. 
and you'll never find them. We saw a Ness Amiibo in Japan that was just like, like fifteen dollars over like the regular price. And I think it, I think it was I mean I remember Jack well. DeVries from IGN back in the day got some Skylander that was a San Diego Comic Con exclusive. And then he didn't the, sell it, but he could have. Yeah, like, he didn't sell it, but he went to like somewhere in San Diego and left it, <laughs> and took a bunch of pictures and posted them on Twitter and said, "Find it." Like just based off of the pictures, <laughs> and then someone did. I mean, someone fucking hunted that thing down. Oh, absolutely! Like, someone was asking me the other day about like whether or not that stuff is still popular because I feel like it's peaked. Skylanders, yeah, oh, it's still, yeah, it but totally it's still. Is. First of all, yes, it's still totally. Popular. I mean, I just went to the store the other day, and Disney Infinity stuff is like picked over. Exactly. Like, if you go to like Target or Walmart on Skylanders release day, like you will witness the aftermath of a disaster. Yeah, there's yep. just nothing left. Skylanders, Star Wars, Legum- and all the Star Wars like toys and stuff were all picked over too. Like it was like. Yeah, it was very all scarce those toys to life games. Like people are still doing it because it still makes a Lego, shit Lego Dimensions. Of money. I see. So I played Lego Dimensions E three, mm-hmm. and I did not have fun because you have to switch characters so often. That's what uh, Marty Sleva of IGN was saying. They were you just like get ready to be always putting something new on there. And not only that, but like you have to transform the vehicles. Mm-hmm. Like you get like a schematic, and then you have to go get the pieces and add them, and then it it like recodes the vehicle's chip. So that the game knows that it's an upgraded version of it. Jesus Christ. Uh, and that upgraded version is different than the other one. So, like, you may have to revert it. It's 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 too complicated. Yeah. It is like... Yeah, I mean, I think the even Disney Infinity walks the line of being too complicated. Because, like, I bought 2.0. And it's, like, weird. Because you have the spots to put characters. Which is, like, all Skylander was. Originally, Skylanders was just the put a character down. power. And so, but now it's put a character down. Put, like a content tablet down and then there's like something else you can put down too to like add content so they're like there are these discs you can buy separate from the characters that like add like actual levels to the game like that's how you get actual levels as as opposed to characters Mm -hmm. so when you buy like a character two pack that's like a special pack like star lord and gamora it comes with a disc that's like the actual guardians of the galaxy content so like for instance i bought racket raccoon Mm -hmm. separately and took it home with 2.0 base 2.0 that has iron man thor and black widow and i immediately was like i want to play as rocket raccoon i dropped him on i was like you can't play as rocket raccoon because you're not in the guardians of the galaxy content or you haven't or found his token yeah Yeah, or sandbox and i was like oh see that's the type of shit that just drives me fucking crazy because it's like let me play how i want to play yeah there there are quite a bit of limitations to it so i mean i i get it kids are still fucking bonkers for it it's true and I mean, they are, they are, it's just that they're toys and they'll work at your friend's house. Even if your friend has an Xbox and you have a PS4, it's like, that's pretty cool. cross platform. Yeah. Except for the Nintendo Skylanders, which are not cross platform. Oh, they're not? No. Wow. So the, I didn't know that. Not only that, but so I think, uh, Donkey Kong comes with the Wii U. Oh, those specific ones. I'm yeah, sorry. There's a, there you mean the Nintendo, Nintendo Skylanders. Skylanders. That's right. There I is a they Donkey Kong version. There's a Donkey Kong and Bowser right. uh, Skylander each. And they can only be bought in the, the, the starter packs. Oh, man. So the Wii U version comes with Donkey Kong, I think. And the Wii that's slash 3DS version comes with Bowser. See, that's fucked up because the starter packs, too, each come with a portal. Like I'm pretty sure they're like yeah they're like seventy bucks so because they come with at least two figures in the portal like that's just it like they did the same thing with Boba Fett and Disney Infinity three point oh going get Boba Fett to buy the pad and all that stuff for and now I'm, and I'm like yeah and I'm like I don't want to buy a pad I already have a fucking two point pad do I really need a three point they've pad? suggested you'll be able to get it uh, separately eventually I'm sure yeah 
on eBay. Lame. <laughs> but who's, nobody's going to sell Boba Fett separately on eBay because he's worth way more with the starter pack unopened. Yeah. There's so a weird aftermarket. I've learned about a lot of weird aftermarkets lately. I have a coworker that all he does is puts together aftermarket Lego sets that have gone off sale. Hmm. So, for instance, the 5,500-piece Millennium Falcon that was like 10 years ago. Right. One of Which those now is worth about expensive. six grand Holy if you God. have it. And uh, just the box, he said, goes for like three to four hundred dollars if there's nothing in it. Or the instruction booklet's like another three to four hundred dollars. I guess the instruction booklet, you could buy the right Legos to put one together. So that's the thing. There are PDFs of them. So what he does is he he gets the PDF and then goes and starts aftermarket buying. Like he he knows a bunch of like underground Lego sites that people are like, hey, I have 14 of the half inch gray on gray antennas. Lego stopped producing those after 2005. Now they only do gray on black. So if you want the gray on gray, they're $3 each for each. And channel. they might, there could actually be extras because like my last significant other, I got her a crazy Lego set for Christmas and they're definitely extra pieces. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Like so of the weird, like idiosyncratic pieces. Yeah, and that's the thing. There are certain pieces that they make only for that Lego set. So like the, he told me there's like some weird like lattice thing they make for the Millennium Falcon for the back engines. That were made exclusive for that, and those are like worth a hundred dollars each or something like that. Damn. Like that's what I'm saying. It's just like this weird aftermarket. I had no idea existed. Because those aren't for kids. Those are for for fucking like adults. And I say that with quotes in the air. And it's not like I'm judging necessarily because there's definitely shit that I like and do that puts quotations around the word adult for me. But I mean, he told me that's for him. Like he told like the thrill he gets out of it. Is the same thrill someone gets out of restoring a classic car, and they're like, "Oh, the hood ordinance is arriving this week." Fun anymore? That's a hobby. Yeah, it's just like, a hobby. He's is... like, "Oh my god, the antennas are arriving! The antennas are arriving!" And then he goes home and puts the antennas on. And he's like, "Now I just need the lights." You know, he's Will like, Ferrell in the Lego Movie. Yes, he's a hundred percent that. So, I mean, he also is like into building the like aftermarket things that never came out, like from like Clone Wars. Like someone else figured out how to build a Clone Wars ship, and so they'll put up the schematic, and then he'll do that. He has programs on his computer. To help him determine which parts will never yep. be visible and won't affect structural integrity, so he can cut those out of the thing and get it and build the set for less. <laughs> that's in- he's dedicated. That's, that's just- a man after my own heart in terms of efficiency. Yeah. Like, fuck that shit. That didn't do anything. You never see the piece, so why doesn't it? There? You have to worry about safety. It's not like someone's like going multiple parsecs in this piece of shit. <laughs> but I'm just thinking about that, and I'm like, dude, I need to figure out which Lego sets are going to be the hot shit in all the Star Wars sets. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mario Maker. I also played a bunch of Diablo with Arthur. Yes, we it's like did. what season three now or something like that. I it's something like that. Whatever it season it's in, the game is still really good. I sat down with Arthur. I was like, I'll play an hour. Two and a half <laughs> hours later, yeah. gotta go to bed. Yeah, I yeah the, the the daily quests they've added are really good. They got that daily quest. Adventure loop. mode is just really easy to do over and over again. Also, we I we played the cow level, which I had never played. Yeah, so that was fun. Adventure mode makes alting in that game just a totally different affair. So well, that and Paragon also, levels. Because instead of running the entire story and doing like going actually to quest givers and stuff like that for your alt, you just go into adventure mode and then there are like five specific quests per act and it'll just be like, kill this guy in this part of act two. Mm. So you'll ignore anything else about act two and just run up and kill that guy, leave, go to the next part of act two because you've already unlocked it all mm-hmm. from your main character. And then you do those five quests, do a turn in. You get a shit ton of experience for the turn, and you get a chest that is like so. Full yeah, of so like items. every every act's worth of quests you finish, you get a bonus thing 
Yeah. And then if you do like every axe quests in a city, which is the only way thing. that you can do adventure mode, then you get an even bigger bonus. Yeah. Man, that sounds like a ton of fun. So you just grind through like three hours of content each day if you want, and you'll just get a huge reward that will like guaranteed epic. And they've and added like so that. much more crafting and stuff. Yeah, like now half the items on my character are usually crafted, mm. like unique pieces and stuff, because in those sets that you get for completing each act is almost always like unique and, and set recipes for the for the blacksmith yeah because yeah. you know, i i pretty much only played when it came out like right we we played a shit ton. i mean like even without that like the reaper of soul stuff was incredible yeah, yeah. like that was awesome but like, yeah they've, they've added like almost in another expansion's worth of stuff and the loot the loot like tables just way better you know you're gonna get like a rare or unique item like probably every hour or two so it's not okay. more. It it is, is, I was yeah. averaging an orange like every thirty minutes. It, or is, so. it isn't like back in the day where it was like you might play for a week and you got one and you were like fuck yeah. And, now, like, and you didn't have the right stats for yeah. yourself. <laughs> you were like, like oh. And now they've added like a new crafting tool to take legendary like the unique orange items and like strip Re- them of their abilities and, and redo then, them and then reapply those things to other items. Yeah. So if you get one you don't like now, you can definitely resolve that. Are you guys playing on console or PC? I PC. played on PC. And then I played like another three hours over the weekend on PS4. Oh, God. You, oh, wow. So I have a level 70 on PS4 and a level like 30 something on PS4. And then I have like a level 40, high 40s and a level 69 on PC. So I've put in a fair amount of time into Diablo. But like I said, it goes so fast. I, mean, I was playing with Arthur. He was basically just I was being power leveled like it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Like a level every like three to five minutes a lot of times. So. Okay. Also dying a lot. Oh yeah, I mean, I was basically I couldn't. I would run into an environment and do a range power even as my like crusader, because I was like or whatever I was playing. You were the rogue or the monk. The monk, yeah. And I was like trying to do anything that had any sort of range to it because I was like I just can't be touched because I just explode instantly. Hmm. I mean, that game still is still really good. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's better than it's ever been, and they keep adding stuff to it, and like the seasons and ladder stuff is cool. Um. I know our our friend Jay plays hardcore characters, so that I never do that. I uh, yeah, that's I remember Jay posting about his hardcore. I think you characters. can do seasonal hardcore characters, which might make them yeah, a little and, easier and you can to make characters that are specifically seasonal characters. You can only play them in season mode because right. you're playing for rankings. Okay, so I mean, there is an incentive to do that. I just don't know. Like to me, it's not I, enough. I don't. So it's it's two things like I worry that either I won't play enough to make the seasonal character worth it or I will want to play enough to make the seasonal yeah, character exactly. worth I'm it. Yeah, exactly. I'm right there with you. Um, I just don't have that much time for any one game lately. Yeah, it's just so easy to get sucked back into that shit. You want to talk about a near, another gear grind game? Yeah, I'm curious. Have you been playing Destiny? I have been playing Destiny. You can talk about the Taken King and then I can talk about something else. Did Destiny, is it, I've heard. Oh, yeah, I'll talk about it. I heard Taken King actually makes it fun. Yes. Uh, but does it make the original story content fun? Or no, does it all make that it? stuff is the same. It has not been touched except for the new... Uh, See, that's the thing. I don't want to have to grind dialogue. through that to get to Taken King. Yeah, but the way that they have like... Redone, Although I've heard you level a lot faster and you stuff have, now. You level a lot faster, and the way that they have redone the way that you go through it and like where you track it, like it's not like there are quests that will take you through it, is actually like way better. Like basically, they made like the interface around the game actually work. Yeah, the thing that always bothered me the most about Destiny wasn't even the repetitive quest. It was definitely just that I felt like loot sucked in that game. Yeah. Like, border, like it, you just didn't get very much of it, and it didn't look good coming out. And it just like it was always just like they they have done that. The full 
it still looks the same. It's still like the orbs. Sure, They're a little bit. I think they changed just a little bit brighter and everything. But I have gotten so many guns and so many new pieces of armor. Like every like probably. 10 to 20 minutes i get a new okay so a new I, that, that's a new, a, i felt like i would play the whole day and get nothing in destiny no, that no, was no. worth my time i think the end game may still be like that because sure, that, well, I, I beat the that's story end game in any game is you yeah. play for hours and you're like eh. yeah I, I beat the except story. for diablo except for diablo Diablo has fixed the end game yeah I, yeah i played through the story and then i did uh the new class uh subclass quests uh and finished that today is the story good yeah, like it's it feels like a bungee like return. Does the story actually make sense, yes. or do you, there is a singular enemy who has like presence throughout the like six hour campaign, and you know why you're doing you know why you're doing every single thing, like you know why he's there. So it feels like that's what except the game for, should have been. They're talking about how you killed his son, except for like I didn't play any of the raids, so I didn't kill his son. <laughs> okay, so it's, it's a little like nonsense. We're like he's angry at you because you killed him, and I was like, no, I didn't. Okay, no nah, man, it's that guy. Yeah, it's, it's all the other guardians. Um, but like Nolan, uh, not Nolan North, uh, Nathan Fillion is the like the hunter trainer, and he's like one the other main character in it, and he's like talking to you constantly. The writing is the. Is the like one of the things you know? Enemies just felt like huge, like bosses especially, just felt mm-hmm. like bullet sponge. Big gigantic forms of previous enemies that were just bullet sponges. Mm-hmm. Like you know, case in point, that like first tank boss you yeah. do that's like fucking abysmal, like one of the worst yeah. boss fights. There are no, there were no good bosses in the original yeah. Destiny. They were uh, bad. Again, apparently because I haven't seen the late game stuff, they're great. The bosses that are in the campaign were, uh, I was doing them solo, but they were like fun. They're like they have. Uh, unique mechanics where like they were like linking to each other and like making each other invulnerable uh and just had like the last boss has a couple of different phases of things that he does okay um I'm curious. So my, my curiosity is that like every level in destiny had the same basic structure yep. which is go to a room kill a bunch of things while waiting for something to open yep and, uh yeah and then it overrun something hit x yeah there is still a lot of that but the way that they have designed levels are st- better they feel like like there's a lot of verticality to them now like you're going up in the cosmodrome into like the towers and they just feel in, more interesting than i anything i played in like the original game it felt like they had time to make this rather than the original game which felt rushed and like empty which is hilarious yeah well it's again, less, literally less hilarious yeah that they had they didn't have enough time with the first one yeah or and more whatever happened at Bungie and what, why I got delayed. They had like six years. I mean, no, because Reach was two thousand ten. That was their last Halo game. Mm. But they had been like sort of chipping away at Destiny before that. I think they started Destiny like two thousand nine. Yeah. Um. So five ish years. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that people feel like it's good. I mean, it's yeah. good for people to enjoy those things. It just sucks because Taken King was how much? It was like another forty dollars. Yeah, yep. I so I originally played on PS4 because I bought uh, the, the bundle, the white the, PS4, the, bundle. yeah, the white PS4 bundle, and then no one was none of my friends were playing there, and they're like, "Oh, you should play Destiny." So I ended up buying it again on Xbox. One. Really? And, Why are your friends playing on Xbox? That's what I have. Uh, I, I don't know. Why? But it's weird because I don't know. Because that's a friend of like, mine. for a game that's as content deficient as Destiny was, like the PS4 version had markedly more. They all had one more strike and like two more multiplayer. It's just maps, weird because I think I think it had, but it also it wasn't just a strike. Destiny. Like it had strikes. It had like I think an extra raid. No, it definitely had no. More they, they they did not Destiny, lock away. Lock I just raid, feel like raids. Destiny is like I just it baffles me that it's they abusive. charge forty dollars. 
for a amount of content. Like when other games like Warcraft charges like forty dollars for an expansion. But Warcraft expansions are like Reaper of Souls yeah, is forty dollars. Like a lot of uh, like tens of hours, you know. Yeah, and then uh, well, this is one raid, six new story missions, uh, a new subclass for every single class, a uh, couple new multiplayer maps, bunch of new guns, hmm. uh, overhaul of like oh well, the system overhaul is for everyone regardless. Yeah, of did they do not. a season pass for that game? Uh, I think they did, but for Destiny, yeah, oh, totally. But it, it doesn't include this. I don't no, think. no, this oh. is totally new. And then yeah. there's a version of this. Then that what comes the hell does the, the season stuff. pass include? Uh, the Dark Below and House of Wolves and House of Wolves. Yeah. So that's the version, which I bought. is like a, I think the season pass was thirty dollars, mm-hmm. and each DLC was twenty. Yep. So it saved you ten dollars. I, I bought I bought the Delectors edition. That was the. The, the, the deluxe del- collector's edition, whatever one the digital one was, which was like eighty bucks. Oh, for Taken King, for Taken King, because it included every included, and the, also gave you emotes. You did. I, I can I can do a, the sprinkler on my character. It's great. Great. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It, I I'm enjoying it. I'll I'll see how long I play it. Uh, again, the people that I play with are the ones who play like. Almost every single night. They're like our so the, group. But. The thing about Destiny as far as like reception that I, I think not enough to people talk about is like everybody wants to talk about sales numbers. And like I, I think that we will never know what Destiny sold yeah. because Activision has been – I have never seen a company talk around sales numbers of a game <laughs> the way that I've seen Activision talk around Destiny, uh, which suggests to me that it didn't sell what they wanted it to. But mm-hmm. – uh, all last year over the last two years like you've had games like titanfall sold really really well and evolve sold pretty well but like their retention was abysmal yeah yeah and whereas destiny like may not have sold like 10 million copies although it's probably at that now i mean if it's it doesn't matter yeah if they have the retention but levels like, they do they're, they're retention, still making good money yeah their retention numbers on destiny are pretty significant yeah looking at uh, anecdotally when they did the Twitch streams leading up to Taking King and the amount of people watching those like on Twitch was like 200,000 people yeah. for like a not like basically they were just showing off new features. That's insane. Yeah. So like there's a lot of people who like are voraciously want at least information about that game regardless if they're still playing or not. Yeah. They yep. probably never played an MMO before. Yeah. That's what I feel like. I feel like anyone who played an MMO before gets bored with that game. But like people that weren't any hardcore into a super MMO are like, all right, cool. I just I I thought I was underwhelmed by Destiny as a shooter. Well, yeah, I think that, that too. it wasn't a good mm-hmm. shooter. Like, yeah. but I don't know. I'll be, I I am slightly curious to try it, but I just really don't want to be mad at Destiny again. I don't want to waste my time on Destiny yeah. again. No, I get that. I totally get just being like, well, I wasted my time. Plus, there's too many games coming out. Like, yeah, right. But I mean, actually, right now, like you said, like you pointed out, is is kind of slow. Uh, for like because, the next two weeks, and then it picks and, right back but up. E- but even like in October for civilians, like October doesn't pick up until the second half. Like there's still a few weeks where there's not a ton. Because Tomb Raider and Halo are both October, right? No, uh, Halo is October 27th, and Tomb Raider is November 10th. Uh, okay. Um, and that's the thing. Like a bunch of stuff that was supposed to come out earlier in October got pushed. Like Rainbow Six got pushed to December. That's Hitman right. got delayed until next year. I don't remember if we predicted that on the show or not, but Hitman got delayed till I'm next. Pretty March. sure we did. Is is Hitman delayed is like the first piece of it, or is like the early piece of that game coming out? No, no, all of it is delayed. Oh, all of it, and okay. stuff that was going to be added over time is now going to ship with it. Okay, I think <laughs> it will still have additional like episodes or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, everything that they said about the way Hitman was going to release was, was shady as fuck. That was real weird. 
to the point where early they didn't, access Hitman. Exactly. Like they didn't want to release. They weren't releasing a retail version of that game. Yeah. Which is really weird. Super weird. Square. Weird company. Uh, but I yeah, like a lot of st- not a lot of stuff is coming out until like the end of October, and then it's just fucking nonstop crazy release schedule. Um, till when? Uh, I guess it depends on if I'm sure there's a couple weeks at the end of December that people aren't bothering with because it's like, I mean, nothing Christmas and Christmas. It's really rare that anything comes out in the last half of December unless there's like a console launch. Yeah. Like I can think of like only a couple of games. Like I think Super Mario 64 came out in late December, like Dead or Alive 4 came out like a couple days after Christmas when the 360 launched. Um, but I think Just Cause and Xenoblade on Wii U are like the last big games of the year like which is December 1st and December 8th maybe and Hitman was supposed to be around that time was or is was now Hitman is next March okay and also Xenoblade has been out Uh, but it won't matter territories forever god willing I will be playing Fallout oh yeah see that's what I keep forgetting about then there's that so it's like where does what's time for for me like it like everything is fucked because everything comes out at the same time and like we've already gotten word about review stuff that is overlapping yeah for stuff that i i am not totally sure what i'm it gonna do fun you gotta make weeks. the rest of that masthead other right than like have i not when stuff is geographically located oh like if I am Planes, in San Francisco for if I am in San Francisco and it, or the the Bay Area and there's a review event in the Bay Area, then it doesn't make sense to fly someone from fucking New York to San Francisco to go to it. It just doesn't. <laughs> or if I've played a bunch of multiplayer of a game already, like more than anyone else on staff, it doesn't really make sense to have someone else review it because I already have a frame of reference for it. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it's to the point where. I, I would love to review Fallout. I have no idea if I'm going to because I don't know when we're going to get I it. I feel like it'd be better if you didn't because then you can play it at your own speed. No. Because I think that no matter what, I would play Fallout like a drug addict for at least the first week. Yeah, but at some point... You like, saw me play Fallout New Totally, Vegas. but I'm like, saying... I woke up... I'm saying you're also the type of person that doesn't rush the main story and I feel like at some point you'd have to rush the story. Like... When Fallout New Vegas came out, I would get up an hour earlier than I usually did so I could play it before work. <laughs> and then we would get home and I would fucking play Fallout New Vegas. Time to get some saline bags and hook those up so you don't have to move. Yeah. And fucking Fallout 3, like the same thing. Like I would play it before like we like I think we left the house around the same time. Like we worked different jobs. That was that was when I was at, at Blurb, I think. Yep. And then I would come home and play Fallout 3 for hours. Yeah. Um. I don't know. The good old days of not having to worry about life. <laughs> but speaking of fall games, I played a bunch of Halo. Like a bunch of Halo. A preview of it. So, campaign? I can talk about I played everything. So, I played two missions in campaign. I played a bunch of Warzone. I Did you play campaign by yourself or with people? Both. How's how's it tell me about giving orders to people? Uh You know, it's interesting. I I You don't th- really need to do it, I would guess. No, I think that it can help. I think on higher difficulty levels, you'll want to. Um, but I think that, I don't know, I, I have a hard time gauging how that stuff works right now. Uh, because I think that the there were too many choke points in the first mission that I tried it on. 
to the point where it it discouraged me from doing it because like I would say attack that enemy, but they couldn't really get to it because there was too much stuff between <laughs> just, me and that. Yeah. Um. And then so when I played the next mission, I just forgot about it. Uh, and also like heroic in that there have been a bunch of people on the internet shocking who don't know what they're talking about talking about how like the video that they've seen of halo 5 over the last day and a half makes it seem easier Mm. but heroic in that game felt harder than heroic has in a halo in a long time like i took me an hour and 10 minutes or so to play through it comes down to who's playing it and how well they know the content sure so i was like i it took me about an hour and 10 minutes to play through the second mission of the game which is blue team which is uh the chief and the spartan twos uh and then i played it again uh or i played it co-op heroic and it took me 27 to 30 minutes Mm. um and then the next mission on normal took 25 um so can you talk about the campaign stuff that much yeah let me ask you a question do you fight a combination of human and covenant enemies i have not seen any human enemies yet I only ask because in that book that you lent me that's like a new Halo book. Is that embargoed at all? Is that book out yet? I don't know. Uh, I think it's out in a few days. Well. Because I wanted to buy it before I went to Japan and it was What not is out. the name of that book? I don't remember. Do you know, James? Uh, is it just called Blue Team? No. Is it? I don't know. It's a Halo murder mystery. Halo Blue Team. New Halo. Sorry, guys. I, I realize this is terrible radio, but I need to make sure that we can talk about that shit before we break embargo for Simon and Schuster, <laughs> which I don't know. Well, I listened Initiation? to Initiation. Is that is that I, what it is? I don't know if I'd have no. to hear the plot synopsis. I think it's two words. I think it is two. Yeah. Um, New Blood? Yeah, I think that's it. Wait. I don't know if that's it. Uh, hey, <laughs> damn it. Halo lore. Because as it is now, I might actually have to. Because I've, re- I've read the statement. one about Buck. That one's definitely out. That one's out. Yeah. Right. That came out in March. Yeah. So I read that shit on my Kindle, and then this one's like a paperback. Simon Schuster Audio, man, they owe me. I've paid them so many hundreds of dollars for books. <laughs> All the Stephen King books I've bought from them, audio books too. I've I've hooked Simon and Schuster up, lined their pockets. Mm. Um. Yeah, the new Star Wars uh, book. Not Are you talking about the child? The last light. Last light. Last light came out on the fifteenth. Okay, so you can What's talk that? about it. Okay, yeah, that's the one. Okay, so in that book, <laughs> fuck. In that book, uh, the, the Spartan twos and fours are fighting uh, a combination of like zealot covenant led by the Jeralhonai, the brutes. And uh, and humans that have like that are from like the the outer rim or whatever. Yeah, because you know they've always implied in Halo that there's been a bit of like a Firefly style like outer rim. No, they haven't implied like they fly like the Spartans were designed to quell an insurgency. Right, that's what I mean. It's all implied because you've never seen it. It's always just mentioned. You know what I mean? And they uh, the last and and you really don't hear it unless you pay attention. The last series by Karen Travis went into that like a lot. Like where they're literally it's a Black Ops team that's like going around the the universe messing with the Covenant. And spying on a so that's the thing is that uh, now the, the premise of the book is that like hey the covenant war is largely over so now the people that were like all right we'll live under the right, UNSC because the infinity is like built in part with covenant tech yeah and so now now the fact that people are like well the covenant war is over so fuck the UNSC again we don't need them and so they're actually in the book there are some elements that are aligning with the covenant and fighting with them like almost like if ISIS were to team up with like 
someone else, right? Syrian separatists. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. There's like two two groups that you know would be called terrorists are grouping together to for common goals, even though they don't really like each other. Yeah. So it's like I'm just wondering if they're gonna kind of hit up that. Uh, the- no, so far, uh, like. There's only so much that I could talk about because there's actually like a list of spoilers that we're not supposed to talk about because there are story beats. Of course. In both chapters. Uh, the It'd be pretty sad if there weren't. The sort of covenant zealots that were revealed in four. Uh, yeah. That wanted to, to sort of work with the, the forerunners and with the. Uh, yeah. The pursue act. the pursue the great journey. Yeah. Uh, their rebellion is in sort of disarray. Um that's the way the game starts. I don't know how like, it, it unfolds over is time. Is that one led by the Arbiter? No, no. That's, no, that's see, a good that's, force. That's, like, there is no basically no Covenant. Yeah. Like, there's, like, the Zealots that remain of the Covenant that and want to go the And then there's the other journey, people who realize like, that their religion was a hoax. Yeah. Well, yeah, because well, the, like, the, the, Ar- the Arbiter was the leader of the non-Zealots. Of the elites. I think they're just, they just refer to themselves as the elites, but I could be wrong. Yeah, like, well, there's, like, there's two factions within within the elites like that. Right. Like, there's some other... So, like, narratively in the game, the way that it seems to work is that, aside from the fact that, like, based on the marketing stuff, it sounds like Spartan Locke and, Os- and Fireteam mm-hmm. Osiris uh, are hunting for chief and blue team. Uh, they're also working with the arbiter against the, the zealots. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So that, that's where like the whole Karen Travis thing, like series yeah. was going towards. And like in, in halo Two, like the anniversary <laughs> stuff, like there's, there are new cutscenes bookending the game that show Locke talking to the arbiter, um, like to sort of establish that there yep. is a relationship there. Mm. Um, and that is, that is in the game, but mm. I can't, talk about a lot of that stuff and i don't want to like i don't want to no. destroy, destroy all right tell stuff. me uh, what, what was there any new weapons you got to toy around with it's hard to know when there's a new weapon in halo at this point because there have been so many fucking new guns added since reach that i can't remember what's in every game like mm-hmm. when did the storm rifle appear i don't remember i no. think that was in halo reach storm rifle it's like a plasma assault rifle uh yeah i think that was I reach that was reach but who the fuck knows like there are so many things that have, that have been added in the game. Left. Yeah, that have been in and out. Like, there are games where the assault rifle doesn't appear, like Halo 2. Yeah. There are games where the SMG is gone. I assume if I was and setting a up a Halo now. preview event, I'd be like, well, we have to give them the full Halo experience. And so, Halo, we've got to give them some vehicles. Did you play some vehicle stuff? Uh, I did play some vehicle stuff. Uh, Banshees and... Uh, it's not a spoiler because it's out there. So the forerunners are in the game, like the Prometheans are in the game. Yeah, uh, and they have a flyer whose name escapes me. Right Did you get now. to use it? Yes. Cool. Uh, I got to use it in campaign against a sort of super scarab, uh, which very much reminded me of like some of the coolest parts of Halo Three, except it was way bigger than that. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also in Warzone, uh, like you can call Warzone is basically just big team battle, right? It's. No, it's Halo, Halo MOBA, Halo MOBA. Okay, because um, there's no big team battle to start. Like no, so the way that the game breaks down is that there's campaign, which has co-op and all that shit, and then there's Warzone and Arena. Warzone is the mode that has consumables. All right, MOBA ops. Uh, yeah, MOBA. And Halo like MOBA cards. Yeah, so you get cards, sort of like you got burn cards in Titanfall, except like you can you earn points to buy them. Mm. Uh, and you buy packs and you're given them randomly. And as a Warzone match increases, like you earn what are called rec points. Like, and rec points can be spent to use the cards that you have. It sounds vaguely like the stuff we did in Blacklight, but more complex. Um, and so the the idea is that like you can get powerful stuff in rec packs, but it doesn't 
it doesn't mean anything if you don't get far enough or if you don't do well enough to actually call them out and use them. Uh, and rec packs also have like, like special weapons with cosmetic bonuses and like new kinds of armor and new assassinations and stuff like that. And those can be used in arena or in Warzone, but <laughs> they are only cosmetic in, in arena. Cool. Um, also, uh, something that I found in the menus, which I can talk about, even though I can't talk about arena right now, uh, is that you can disable assassination animations. So you just do it. It's an instant kill. And so it's just a melee attack, which I assume that every pro player will do right away. Like there is no reason. I guess it makes you more vulnerable. Competitive play. Yeah. Assassinations take a few like, seconds and you can be killed while you're in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no reason for a pro player to use assassination huh. animations. I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess they're going for esports pretty hard. So yes. It's... So like, I actually would prefer that they didn't arena is the third mode. Is that what you said? Arena is the just extremely competitive, totally balanced multiplayer mode. And that is both. So is that separate from normal multiplayer? Or is that just, that's what no, they're calling that's, multiplayer. That's what they're calling multiplayer. Okay. Um, and that includes breakout, which is the sort of team SWAT, like Tron level. Yeah, and you get, like, they get the, the single like, speed ramps at the beginning. That yeah, shoot where you, you into like, level. where you man cannon in yeah. like to start, and then just normal arena is uh, is the Halo multiplayer that you're used to. And then what's the third mode? Because they always have a third mode. Is it Spartan Ops this time, or is that? No, there... I mean that is three modes, like Warzone and Arena. Oh, are Warzone totally is the third mode. Yeah. Okay, I just wasn't sure if Warzone was like an extension. Warzone is a 24 player PvPVE element, like. Uh, okay, I guess I haven't really been following it well enough. Cause so I, the way Warzone you know, works I, is... They usually have, like, fire team or... Yeah, know, so the, the way Warzone works is Spartan your Ops. team of 12 Spartans spawns on one side of the map, depending on whether you're red or blue. And you go to your base, and there's enemy AI there, which you need to clear to, to, clear to take your base. And throughout the level, there's more enemy AI, and as you as you kill them, you get points. And, like unique mobs or like boss uh, characters will spawn. It sounds like, like the idea of the original world of Warcraft battleground. Uh, so yeah. as they spawn, like the team that kills them gets points. Yeah. So it sounds like ultra ultra Valley. Um, yeah, exactly where you were. And you would spawn like troops that you could follow yeah. into combat right. and stuff. So if you kill them, you get points, but also like the team that has the most control points on the map is gaining points faster. Like, it's just like any other control point based mode in a multiplayer game. Like, the team with the most control points is earning points, and the other team is not. Sounds cool. I guess Are they releasing with the Forge right off the bat for people to make their maps and stuff? Uh, yes. That's cool. I believe so. I mean, they said they are, I think. I, I feel like the editor for a Warzone type would be too mode much. would be ink. Would be in another forge on top of that. Yeah, you could so because you'd the have thing to be that, doing AI. And the stuff. thing about Warzone is that the Warzone maps are bigger than like any fucking Halo map I've ever seen. Mm. To the point where occasionally they feel too big, unless you've got a vehicle to get from uh, one corner to, to another. corner. Like it's like Battlefield minutes. Desert Combat, where you used to be like if you were on foot, you were just like quite <sighs> that bad. And also the Halo, all all the Spartans can run now. Uh, also. The shoulder tackle is possibly the single greatest addition to a Halo <laughs> game since Halo 3. Uh, because I felt like the office linebacker playing that game. Like, I would just be running everywhere on the map and just fucking cream people. Just, like, run them over like a truck. Is it a kill if you hit them from behind? Yes. Is it a kill if you hit them from the front? If you hit them from the, the front, it it's takes like shield. your shield almost all the way down, but it also takes your shield most of the way down. Oh, okay. So it hurts you to collide with someone from the front. 
But right. that doesn't all that you know. If you have a shotgun, then you just ready your exactly. shotgun. Or not even that. Like if you do that and then you shoot them like just with like a little bit and then melee them again, then you've done or your job. You, is it possible? I don't know how much time it takes to get to the speed you need to be able to like shoot, 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 and then do it. Uh, no, it takes a little okay. bit of running because it takes it takes speed. a little bit of running to get the speed boost, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and while you're running, your shield doesn't recharge. How so. much ADS did you do? A fair amount, but I, I, not in any in a way that didn't feel natural. Like there were a lot of Halo weapons that had aim down sights. It's just mm. now every Halo weapon has aim down sights. Yeah, uh, but they're equally accurate. I know. Yeah, you it. don't need to unless you want. So to. with an assault rifle, I didn't really feel the need. It still snaps to do you out it. when you get hit, though. Yes. Hmm. Uh, and also, like if you're in the air and aim down the sights, then you do your little hover thing. That's right. Like your stability thing. That's right. Um, but uh, as far as campaign stuff goes. There are a lot more enemies, like, and a lot more directions to attack those enemies from, and a lot more directions to be attacked from. Like, the, the levels feel a lot bigger. Mm. Like, six, sometimes like four or five levels of verticality that enemies oh. are attacking from, uh, with a lot more enemies on screen than any previous Halo, uh, which didn't really occur to me as a thing until I played in co op and realized that we were. During each encounter, like it felt like we were in teams working different sections of a level together. Mm. That play, that game supports local co-op too. No, okay, no I wasn't co-op. sure. There's no split screen in Halo Five at all. Okay, I wasn't sure because the other ones always did. No. Yeah, there was a, there was a pretty big stink about taking that stuff out. Um, when you're working your way through the levels alone, did it feel like too much? Did it feel like there were too many enemies, or did you have enough like AI companions? I mean, your it... AI actually does some work. Like if you watch my video, like for the blue team mission, there are, there will be times where I've been shooting at something, and then suddenly it'll die, and I wasn't the one that did it, and mm. it's because someone else killed it. Okay. Um, yeah, because AI in previous Halos always did kind of feel like they just existed for you to like absorb some fire, but they didn't really kill that many things. Yeah, I mean they. The the thing is, like, you want them to feel useful, but totally. you don't want to feel like you're being cheated. Or they're winning the level. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, some of them are, are Spartans, though, so they should be, like, killing stuff. No, they're stuff. all Spartans. Every, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Everybody's a Spartan. And the thing about co-op is that every Spartan enters the level with a different loadout, and in co-op, you are selecting which Spartan you load into huh. as. But, so, but, I mean, you can always just ditch their weapons. and Sure, eventually. Uh, but, like, if you're, like, Linda, I think Linda has the sniper rifle, yep. like, a special sniper rifle. Uh, so you'll load in with that. Um, but, yeah, it just, it it does feel in that way more tuned to co-op play. Mm-hmm. Because there's something for everyone to do more often. Um, <laughs> and also the revive ability makes it feel less like a respawn factory. Like, you're not waiting for people to come back you're not like hiding in a corner waiting for people to respawn unless everybody dies in which case then maybe you are um how long is the respawn if you're waiting for like or do it's from five to thirty seconds depending on what's going on okay um that's not that bad there were some bugs and when i played like i could tell that this wasn't a final build uh because towards the last five to ten minutes of the second mission uh enemy lines that we played uh it's which is late in the game it's with fire team osiris uh the promethean flyers uh are you jump in them to go take on this mega scarab and if we died it would spawn us in midair it no, just like no. drop us into <laughs> endless nothing and so like brian albert from ign needed to fly his thing over somewhere where if we spawned on top of him we would fall to something that wasn't <laughs> our death uh 
Because pre-release software, folks. Yeah. But um, pre-release. But at this point, it's got to be gold, or else it's not shipping. No, they've got thirty-four days from today. Till when it has to ship. Till launch. That's what I mean. Yeah, so they should have already submitted for submission. It'll be gold in about ten or twelve days. I well, I, they should have been submitting like oh, but they've also almost said a month like, ago. They like won. The collector's edition is going to have a patch. Like they've already said that like that there's going to be a patch. Like, yeah, I'm just saying that versions. still. I mean, I guess maybe Microsoft doesn't make it as hard for first party, but Microsoft other games doesn't make it hard for anybody. Uh, no, other games, it's definitely much more difficult, and you have to submit many months in advance a lot of times, but I suppose there are certain advantages. I mean, now we don't hear about stuff. Like, I don't hear about stuff going gold, and even that's like talking to people at Sony or Microsoft until like two weeks before launch. <laughs> Could be. But I don't, like, we've talked about it on the show before. Gold doesn't mean anything anymore. Like, no. It means it's on a disc. It doesn't mean it works. Well, I mean, but it's the submission process is supposed to be it works. Like, when we submitted, the Sony specific came back and said, this crashes, you have to fix it. Like, that type of thing is what they do. But obviously that process is not that strict. Mm. So. I mean, I think that for a re- that's like, a, you were a downloadable game, though. You weren't a retail game. Like, I assume that for a retail game, like, they, there's a certain point where they say, well, the disc can be this and we expect that you will have a patch that makes it functional by this time yeah although for a digital game we could still do a day one patch like you know right but they don't have like a, a retail game going i'm just gold. saying i very highly suspect that there's favoritism for certain companies and games no doubt which makes sense right if i was a company i was like how much are they gonna make us uh, I, yeah well i mean the the thing that like they didn't nobody really talked about it at the event but definitely the thing that's on everybody's mind is like what happened with master chief collection like they do not want to repeat about what what what, ha- what is happening is master chief collection even fine now i still hear bad things about it like betas for fucking patches i mean i don't think that there's been anything like that for a few months yeah it's just like it took them almost a year to get the like game they, had, order. they right they also hired two other companies to do to redo the matchmaking system in that game like i just feel like after that game like died to me i should have just took it back just because i played it and then i never played it again because it was so broken for so long yeah i tried to play it launch day and after that because like, i did not ah. buy that game for campaigns i bought well, it for multiplayer I mean, that's whereas i i wanted it for the opposite reason i wanted it to relive the days where we'd all come home and play big team battles together i feel we- like halo 5 could be that because i feel like with the beta there was a group of people that i actually played a fair bit with um and the way that you can spectate your friends while you're waiting for them to get out of a game has that same hookiness of something like dota yeah i mean dota i've done the same thing um so it could be that i don't know i guess we'll see um i don't know that i don't know if halo is what it was like I, and i don't know if that's only because of the master chief collection or if it's because microsoft isn't in as strong a comparative position as they were last generation but i don't know but like the thing about halo 5 is that it's really fun like all the the additions like the the physicality the clamoring the charging like the ground pound all that stuff is introduced in the campaign in a way that suggests that it is vital to how you play it uh like there are definitely points where it makes you do those things so you know you can uh and that's good and it makes it feel like an evolution but i especially after playing odst this year and i talk about it in the preview that i put up on polygon a couple days ago uh by the time you hear this like after playing odst like that is the halo game that has the strongest identity to me because it is the most different from every other halo game and from what i played so far of halo 5 like it doesn't have that thing that sets it apart 
other than just being like a better version of every other Halo game. Hmm. Um, I mean, Warzone is really cool, but like as far as the campaign goes, like there's not that specific holy shit hook that ODST had. Hmm. Well, October 27th. Yep. October 27th. I'm excited. I'm just you know, curious. Yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm excited. It'll be, I've already pre-ordered it. There's a lot so. of co-op stuff coming out for sure. Amazon got me with one of its pre-order, and you get it for you know fifty dollars as opposed to sixty. And I was like, "Yeah, they've been doing that a lot." I'll do that. So, yeah. Uh, do we want to take a break? Yeah, we'll take some water. Yeah, we'll take. Fitzpatrick from Twitter says. That's a good name. That's an interesting pronunciation of his last name. Fitzpatrick? Eric Fitzpatrick. Oh, his name's Aaron Fitzpatrick. Oh, sorry, Aaron. Fitzpatrick. 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 Uh, He says, here's one Arthur might answer, and I don't know why he's asking this, but maybe you can enlighten me. Why don't developers make 480p games with insane post-processing graphics on current consoles? I don't know what he means by that. Is that like a thing? It's like a thing in PC world or something? No, but I mean, like, theoretically, you could make a game with incredible, like, effects and model detail at a low, like, at, if your pixel count is, like, a quarter of what most people use, then theoretically you could blow a bunch of other shit out. But it's, like, resolution isn't the only thing I feel that's like holding those I feel like on consoles, too, back. isn't there, like, a minimum that they're supposed to be at? Am I crazy? Uh, 720p for the current gen, at yeah. least, I think. Uh, I don't think either next-gen console supports a resolution lower than that. Theoretically, you could do a resolution lower than that and have a scaler. Yeah. But uh, that's just even more processing power on a console that you have to dedicate to. No, nah, but I mean, like, that's not why. I mean, people just have expectations for resolution. Mm-hmm. Like, and if if you've been paying attention for the last two years, like, it is a marketing bullet point <laughs> to say what your game's resolution is. 60 fps 1080p whether it should Suck be that it. resolution or not i'm really curious to see if like the playstation 4 call of duty this year manages to maintain its fucking frame rate uh neither of the last two have i have multiplayer i would imagine they would just drop it the, nope. the resolution nope. both call of duties on playstation 4 have been full 1080p and neither has managed to hold a consistent frame rate uh alex coconass says do you guys think no man's sky is still coming out this year no if oh. so is it a 60 dollar game or a 30 dollar game i don't I, I didn't ever think they announced a release date for it no first they've of all. been very cagey about and that. i definitely don't think it's coming out this year like maybe may of next year or something like that for god's sake don't let it go to another e3 like it's it's it, it was already like really think that we will see it again at E3 it was already year. kind of like a laughable thing at e3 this year because people were like ah we're the wonder's kind of gone now like yeah no next year is when they let everybody play it so yeah, and I def- I hope that game is a thirty dollar game. I think it'll it, be forty. At I least. don't think it has the content from what I've seen. I mean, it yeah. has the content in the way that like Freelancer seemed like it had a bunch of content. I think it's gonna be a forty dollar early access game. All right. What do you think, James? Uh, yeah, forty dollars. But yeah, I've, I haven't touched that game. But yeah. I feel like, I, but, the, like but the wonder is gone. Like I don't, I I, like I don't want to see any more of that game. I'm just people like, are right. going to be disappointed by it yeah. if they keep showing it. Yeah, they, they literally just have to put it out and be like, hey, it's here. Yeah. 
It's, uh, maybe, like it's unfin- maybe it's unfinished, but it's here. Hey, Anthony, we've got a witness release date. Oh, yeah, that I'm actually really excited about. And thankfully, that's not a game they've shown over and over again. And I played that game when it was like a really pretty rough looking. You played that game six years ago. Unity game. Yeah, probably about that, right? Is when you were a GameSpy, right? I think so. Like right when you started a game. 2009, yeah. Yep. So Six fucking years ago. Play, and it was really cool. Like yeah. r- incredibly interesting puzzles. So with six years of development and it's gotten bigger, I that game I think is going to be really fucking good. Yeah. Like that's a definite for me. Um, let's see. Uh, Road C asks, does post-review criticism from the community ever affect your original opinion of a game you personally reviewed? For example, I liked Bioshock Infinite when I played it, but after reading a ton of why people disliked it, my thoughts changed. I can say that there are games that I love, and then I read things that are... I hear people speak eloquently about critically of them, and I'm like, I can see that. But it doesn't change the fact that I still really enjoyed that game when I played it. And it also depends on the type of game it is. Like, people could review League of Legends or Dota or whatever, and then it changes. Yeah. Like, like you could say... It's a snapshot. It's a snapshot at that time. Also, like, I can like something and get tired of it and still admit, like, acknowledge that I liked it. Like, I really liked Evolve when I played it, and I'm not interested in playing it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Ethan asks, can we get an update on what everybody is reading these days? I will say I just finished Star Wars Aftermath, and I found it bad. Yeah. That's a, that's a bad book. It's a bad Star Wars book. Two people on my trip read that book, and both of them were just... Like I'm reading it. And I'm the most interesting it. part was that the young adult one. No, this is like the like the first like major release. Oh. Like Chuck, uh, Chuck, Chuck Windig. Windig, yeah. And to you know, like I'm sure there are things that people can laud. Like if you're if you're if you're looking for your diversity checklist, he certainly hits that. He's got like multiracial couples, gay couples, like three different gay relationships in that book. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's like you know interesting first for Star Wars like that in there. Um, but the book itself that it unfortunately is wrapped up in is like the most interesting parts are these like little 10 page asides that come out of nowhere that are like one and done little time. And then it goes back to the main story, which is just kind of sucks. Yeah. And you could tell it's like, he was like, I have to write about all this stuff. And it's just a book that's like doing a bunch of setup, but doesn't tell anything interesting, like nothing. It's the road to the force awakens and it's part of a trilogy, but nothing that's going to affect the force awakens really seemed like it happened. Yeah. It? I've heard the young adult one books aren't, I've heard they're better. Yeah, I heard like there's the four young adults, so where it's like Han loves Leia so much. This is I'm just gonna be quoting, yeah. quoting Mitch, but like, but there are cool things that happen, and it's like, insight. well, this one feels like it might as well be young adult fiction too, yeah. though. Like, Lame. there's nothing particularly adult about yeah. it, you know. And, and to me, it just felt like a very unfortunate Star Wars book. And from other people I know that have been reading it, the thing they said that bothers them the most about it is it's all from uh, like, like, uh, God, why am I fucking this up? It's like. You know, you said, and then I said to him, and then, and then he, and, but there's no said. And then he says, it's all like, uh, what's that perspective called? Why am I fucking this up? First person? No, but it's Third like, person? it's like, it, it's not like you never said, and then he said. Okay. It's always, he says to me, blah, second, blah, blah, blah. Is that second person? I forget. Oh, Either way, right. it's, it's, it's just kind of grating. Like, yeah. I, I honestly just really disappointing that the first, like, hardcore canonical Star Wars book is just kind of like, eh. Yeah, that's you know. I'm reading, uh, the most recent released Laundry Files book. Uh, oh, the Annihilation Score. Yeah, it's great. I just finished it. It's I from what I'm where I'm at. I, I think it's great. It's from the perspective of the main character's uh, wife, who is basically a music assassin. Sort of, yeah. Sort of 
for that epistemological technician or something yes. like that who then forms a superhero team because everyone's getting um like basically like the ma- fabric of reality is becoming undone because as more human minds are are manifesting like and performing like just basic mathematical equations that's like a form of magic that, that tears on the re- re- reality but yeah it's tearing the fabric of reality between here and like lovecraftian nightmare worlds and so uh, the way that like they're justifying it to the public is creating a superhero team because it's superheroes are popular um it's, and it's, it's fun it's really good uh how far in are you uh she is dating the other guy now uh so i'm gonna be i'm i i'm kind of disappointed with that book mm-hmm. uh this is something that Strauss has sort of been de- like having come up more and more in his books. Like that book feels like it ends mm-hmm. instead of has much of an ending. And like the denouement, like just happens like that. Oh. Like just, everything. Yeah. Was, I, I get, like, I get that. the big, the big plan, like the big, th- like thing, like climaxes so quickly. Yeah. Like, and it happens in like the last 50, like 20 pages of the book or something. And then um, it just, then just kind of cuts and then off. It's just and done. Uh, uh, that stinks. And I just, I don't like the, like the superhero stuff, like the superhero MI six stuff, doesn't do it for me. Like the Lovecraftian yeah. math computer shit does. Um, Although they do, I mean, uh, each of his books has like a different theme. Like one of them is James Bond, and so like he kind of like themes the book. Are right? they all the same continuing story? Yep. Yes. It's, it's yeah. It's about this this couple. I think it's like okay. seven books at this mm-hmm. point or something like that, with some short stories in there too. Mm-hmm. But like the cool thing is that it takes this sort of Lovecraftian uh, frame and puts it on like myths like basilisks and mermaids mermaids and unicorns and stuff like that. Like yeah. if, you, if you haven't read the short stories, you should really read the short stories. Uh, Ecoid is great. Mm. Um, it sounds like about a horse. Uh, it is, again, it's a Lovecraftian interpretation of a unicorn myth. Okay. And then the other one, which I, I just started, is... Uh, uh, oh man, what is it? Halo: the, Last Light. Oh god, no! It's the magicians, uh, and then which is uh, about uh, these kids in, in New York who go to like basically a Harry Potter Harry Potter school, <laughs> uh, except for they're all kind of like fucked up and have their own problems. And then once they graduate, this, like the first half, of the first book is like they graduate and then they get a slush fund, and it's them just fucking around in New York for like doing drugs and partying and like doing whatever. Uh, so that sounds all right. Um, I also finished reading the young adult book Red Rising because my friend is writing the screenplay for it. Huh. It's going to be directed by the director who did Godzilla. So who's also doing the Star Wars prequel? Yeah. Okay. Like the the yeah that takes, yeah 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 really yeah huh my friend got that it's like his first major movie thing and so. I just like read it because I was like, oh, I'll see what this movie you're going to write about. And it's pretty much Martian Hunger Games. That's all it is. Oh, that's fair. But it's still fun. It's a fun read. Hey, I mean, people love like the Maze Runner. Like the, exactly. It's all, a, it's, all that stuff it is, is so well. So here's the thing. It is another divergent Maze Runner, blah, 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 blah. That, all that stuff looks stupid to me. And then I fucking Maze Runner has been on HBO a million times over the last month. That movie is not terrible. My dad goes and watches 
watches every movie that comes out in movie theaters nowadays because he's retired. Mm-hmm. Him and his friend go and they just sneak in bourbon. I kind of wouldn't mind doing <laughs> and that. And they go see like an 11 o'clock every day. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like every Wednesday. That's just the thing. Yeah, they go see an 11 o'clock Wednesday showing like of whatever movie's out. So my dad has seen literally any rom-com you can think of. <laughs> like, And so he just cracked me up when he's like, yeah, you know, I watched Divergent. I thought it was all right. I was, like, was all right. Yeah. I know, but it's just my dad is not the type of guy I would have ever pegged sure. as let's go watch Divergent. So, but you know, he's Did seen he talk everything. about how crushed he was by the fault in our stars. I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't ask him about that. Uh, stuff it's, I'm reading right now. Uh, I just finished the Annihilation score. I think I liked it a little less than James looks like he's going to, but we'll see how you yeah. feel when you hit the ending. Uh, I have Tenehisi's Coates's book, uh, that just came out. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, the, the, the Between the World and Me, um, which I really want to get started on. I need to finish Unspeakable Things by Laurie Penny, which is a book about sort of like feminism and stuff like in the 21st century. Uh, she writes a bunch of stuff for the New Statesman and she's done a bunch of other stuff in popular culture. Um, and uh, that was called Between the World and Me. Between the World and Me is Tennessee okay. Coates, and okay. uh, Unspeakable Things is Laurie Penny's book. Okay. Um, and then I like have a couple of books I bought based on recommendations from people that I need to start reading. Which one of which is Perfume, which is a pretty old book about a serial killer. Uh, I think the last one was Blind Sight, or I'm not exactly sure. I think it's on my phone, but. I- I'm not going to take it up. Uh, Patrick, who, Patrick Coughlin, who I think you know, he's one of the video editors at IGN. I know Patrick too. Oh. Yeah, Patrick was Patrick's been there a long time. He's like w- like one of the old men now at IGN. And he's been I think. there for like eight years or something. Uh, yeah, seven or eight. Uh, you should follow him on Twitter because he just has he recommends good books all the time. That's he and I talk about literature all the time at work. Um, Let's see. Uh, also, I just read Saga Volume 5, and I basically read, like, all of The Wicked and Divine in, like, an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good comic series. It is pretty good comic series. Razor on Twitter says, Are open world games the definitive genre of this generation? And I feel like open world games were, like, the genre of last generation. Right? In a way, like, I feel like that's... Some of the biggest games were all open world games. Um, stuff like Red Dead and Grand Theft Auto. I just feel I guess. Like there hasn't been that many open world games of this generation. I don't there? think that we've seen like a this gen open world game. I mean, Fallout yet. is coming. Yeah, which is Fallout like the is first. Near. That's like the first open world game designed for these consoles. I feel like. Yeah, Metal Gear is designed, but it's also like not a great. Like, like and it's also time. on Xbox 360. Fallout is one of the few games that let's say. Bethesda, in a weird way, just like went fucking completely off their rocker and was like, "We're not putting Fallout on PC. We're not putting Fallout on consoles. You can buy our Android micro console that will launch for a hundred dollars of Fallout." Oh my god! I would sadly buy it. Yeah, because I want Fallout that bad. That's um, like one of the few games that I would do that for. Like in Mad Max, like as an example of a game that was in development for so long for so many different things that that's not even like an example of an open world game. I mean, maybe Arkham Knight, but that doesn't really feel like something like the car is what sets it yeah. apart yeah um i guess yeah. in mgs yeah that's obviously an open world game yeah and i i, I would even call destiny open world game that's a hub based game no and also that's on 360 and ps3 yeah. uh let's see we'll do one last question maybe two from daniel warren he says 
Why is Microsoft quiet on universal purchases for games between Xbox One and Windows 10? It seems like a no-brainer, especially with cloud save. Is that a feature? They've talked about it. Hmm. They, they, ta- they talked about it games. in Build. Yeah. Um, and I think they, they alluded to it at GDC. I thought, it was like, I thought for Halo, that was supposed to be part of that. For Halo 5? Mm-hmm. No. Halo 5 was never supposed to launch simultaneously okay. on PC and Xbox One. Um, I think that they're waiting for the Windows 10 update on Xbox One to hit, which is the new dashboard that people right. are going to start baiting this week, which is codenamed Threshold, according to the release notes. Uh, which, if you are in the preview program and want that dashboard, I strongly advise you read the known issues list, because it is the longest fucking console beta known issues list i've ever seen did it look like a dota patch list i it looks like like there are serious things that do not work in that in that dashboard and it will get updated a couple times a a week and having been through the xbox one and ps4 experience before they launched and getting like dozens of console updates over and over again like if you do not need to do that, maybe you don't want to do that. Do you have to re-download the entire, like, system I hope OS? Not. That would, I mean, like, my my console got reflashed a few times before the, the systems came out. Gah. Thank God for fucking cloud saves, or I would have had to play Forza from scratch, like, three or four times. Our final question comes from Kyle Freestyle on Twitter, who says, Is there a digital one-to-one version of Warhammer available? And the answer to that is no. But when I worked at Zombie, I wrote up the design document for it and pitched it. Of course it. you did. Because I was like, we should approach game. Because at Zombie, when Zombie was in trouble, I was like, Games Workshop is giving their license out to everyone. Let's hit them up about this. It's $5. And so I wrote up the proposal. because <laughs> The I was license like, is cheaper than the figures. And the thing is, is that I wrote it up as a 40K thing. And I think they're highly unlikely to ever do a digital one-to-one version of 40K anytime soon. Because that still makes like 75% or 85% of their revenues physically mm-hmm. right. fantasy is what makes up 15 percent of the revenues which is why fantasy they've officially basically given up on like hmm. the new fantasy which is why you see shit like vermintide and every other the new goddamn. fantasy rules that they release for tabletop for instance are completely free released online they're going to update them sometimes and there's literally no more rules that are i mean they're rules but for instance in old warhammer fantasy you had to like if you were playing as the ratman you would play the ratman and you're playing the orcs you're playing the orcs now it's you can bring as many models as you want they can be a mix of any armies you want it's like it's it's totally bonkers it makes no sense anymore like that's how so much it's just like mercenary squads yes and they, and they don't fight in like formations anymore they fight in like skirmish groups so they don't have to be ranked up or anything like that like ranks don't matter and stuff like that anymore like everything that you thought about fantasy warhammer they've completely thrown out the window because they've basically given up on it. So I feel like you could do a digital version of that one-to-one. They still haven't done that, though. You always get these weird games that are either tactical turn-based or who knows what the fuck, a chess game. Like, there's a weird like chess game called Regicide on mm-hmm. Steam that's, like, Warmer 40K. Do, so, do you think you could do it on, like, mobile? Do you think you could make a, like... I feel like you could do it as a mobile-slash-PC game where it's, like, you log in. You have to be logged into a server, like Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to give the idea, because if someone out there does it, I'll play it. Then... You play realistic Warhammer. It has in-game measuring tools. It's mm-hmm. just it is literally a digital version of the tabletop game. You don't even need animations. Like it's just 3D scans of the existing models. The only difference is that for people like me who love the game but don't have time for the hobby, I can go in there and instead of being like I need to paint and assemble 100 models, I can click like random assemble, random assemble, random assemble mm-hmm. until I get a model I like and then say paint, right? And if I want to go in there and custom paint them digitally, I can do that maybe. But if I don't, I can just be like boom. 
this is these are the main themes I want for my army. Let's be one and done. And now I have a painted army I can play with. And more importantly, the people I want to play Warhammer with nowadays don't live anywhere near me because we all like moved different ways after college. So I could play digitally with them online and we could have a safe state that we can come back to because Warhammer is a very time intensive game. So that way I could pause it and we could come back to it for that ability to do that as a Warhammer fan. I would pay as much as a dollar per model, a dollar per digital model. I would pay that I, and, and more for heroes. Like if it was like, here's a $10 hero that it's just a model. Yeah. Like, and you can play with it. I would still pay that. I would pay because that's on par with what you'd pay. That's still a little bit cheaper than what you'd pay for the physical models. And just for the ease of access for those features, I would gladly pay that. I would gladly pay a dollar per model and still pay like a monthly subscription fee. Uh, yeah, I guess since like, you're not buying multiple models, you're just buying one and then you could probably have multiples of that, right? No, I'm saying I want to buy 10 Space Marines. That's $10. I would do that. Which is oh. cheaper basically than they are. Yeah, I'm saying I would pay a dollar per model. So let's say I wanted to have 120 models in my army of prices between 3 and $5. I would spend $500 doing that. I would gladly spend $500 wow, okay. to be able to play digitally. That would still be probably a half to a third of the price I would have spent to do that physically okay. and to have the benefit of having them instantly painted and playing yeah. online. Like I would gladly do that. That's what I'm saying. I think that there's someone at the games workshop who probably thinks that they would take a massive cut in profits because they wouldn't, you know, they'd probably have to sell them and you could get them cheaper, right? If you didn't want to do piecemeal model by model, maybe there's like a hundred dollar pack that gives you an army immediately. They do that for the physical stuff, yeah. but you could do it for $50, right? I just think that they could, nickel and dime like everything like ten dollar rule book ten dollar this ten dollar that they could do all of that mm. and people would pay it gladly like not even begrudgingly they would do it gladly for the chance to be able to do warhammer in a much more convenient way because mm. you know most adults i don't think they have a table that can be taken up for 12 hours and have their friends over away from their kids and everything for hours on end but if you could do a chunk here, a chunk there. Play with random people online, especially if it's on your phone. And yeah, like you can, if you each, like, it just notifies the other. Person especially you- because if like Warhammer, since it's turn based, you could do uh, asynchronous, right? Yeah. So like, I take my turn and I do all my stuff, and then he can watch like a recap of what happened and do his. Like, there's people would pay an inordinate amount of money to have the Warhammer rules digitized like that. Yeah. Like I make, I I think honestly. You could like to be like totally fucking Gennaro from Jurassic Park on you. Like you could charge as much as two to three dollars a model and people would still pay it. No doubt. Enough that that game would make money. Yeah. And I, then I, not I, only that, but you could charge like maybe I, I buy the, how, that, how that draws. Maybe the I buy who, who sp- maybe sp- wouldn't who maybe wouldn't. But again, maybe they're not trying to go for it. They no, they're, they're not. And then eventually enough people, I think, would hear about it and they'd still be interested and engage with it, too. Right. And I feel like you could do specials and there could. And even if you don't want to monetize individual models that much, let's say you make individual models a quarter a piece. Yeah. Right. They'd still make a, a lot of money. Yeah. And then because they're not even physically printing a model at that point. And then you could still sell things like Dota does. Like maybe you want to have. Like a 3D scan, they do this thing called the Golden Demon Award each year where like expert modelers mod models and put them up and stuff. You want to have that 3D scan model in your game. Well, that's a $10 purchase. Or you want to have your ability to make your Space Marines yellow. Well, that's a dollar to have the yellow option colors. Like there, you pay for little skinning options and stuff like that. There's a million monetization things out there that they could do to make it. Like you want to, oh, 
Well, Games Workshop has also made like 12 different versions of the Space Marines since the 80s, since they've been making these models. Mm -hmm. The 80s Space Marines look way more cartoony than the 2015 Space Marines. So you want to play as the 80s Space Marines because that's when you played as an adult. Like that's when you were a kid, you played Warhammer with the cheesy ones. That's a skin you can buy for your army. You know, to make them look like the old style. like And then partner with Apple and you can use the uh, iPen to paint all your models. I just feel like it's it's such a no-brainer. It's a lot of work that would go into it. But, man, like, if I was at Games Workshop and I had control, I'd be like, we have to do this because it will make us a shit ton of money. Like, maybe not in America, but in Europe and yeah. Russia and stuff, I think that game would kill. Yeah, Someone's going to do it eventually. And it may not be called Warhammer. And they're going to do really well for themselves. Mm. So unless, unless you know, and they could even do things like I'm just gonna, now I'm just pie in the sky where they could do things like you buy the twenty five dollar fucking physical model and it has a QR code in there that gets you the that model in the digital store. You know what I mean? So yeah. now at, that, like, at that point, like you just like you you make you tie like the both business models together. Yes, like, exactly. You want to buy the physical one and have the physical to play too, but also have the digital do both. Like yeah. I just feel like there's a lot of room for that. So that's my pitch. Someone from Games Workshop's listening. <laughs> I'm available for consulting. I mean, we could probably do, like, a Patreon for fucking Warhammer I just feel license like, rights at this point. I, it's just, you know, someone needs to do it. I'm telling you right now, me and several people I know would give you hundreds of dollars, you know, so. So here's a question. Would you want to do that, like, with polygonal graphics, or would it be more fun to do something like this in Game Maker? And have it be pixelated. Yeah, I mean, it could just be top-down, like, sprites, just moving on a board, uh, even. But but I, that could also just be me. Like, honestly, old. I used to... No, I mean, I used to play... When we would play Warhammer, we couldn't afford all the plastic models, so we'd do what's called proxying, which is that, like, in Fantasy Warhammer, each guy is 20 millimeters wide. So we would cut a piece of paper 100 millimeters by 100 millimeters and mark out 20 squares in there. And we'd say, on it, dwarfs. And yep. then as they die, we'd just X them out. You know, because we couldn't afford all the models. So, like, totally. It doesn't The imagination is fine. Because just like the books, the books were like 20 or 30 bucks. They were, like the rule they books are now $50. Army. They're now $50 per army. <laughs> so it's gone up. So it's like, yeah, I used to, I, I remember like one time I went to like a Civil War reenactment place or something and they sold these little things for 50 cents each that were little metal cannons. And I was like, Dude, I'll buy fucking generic dwarfs and put them next to this little metal cannon and say that's a dwarf cannon. But you never and it cost felt me. good about it. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't look like the real dwarf cannon. So, but <laughs> it's a fucking racket. Like, it was a great racket for them for a long time. Yep. But, like, yeah, it's I mean, funny I that we're in like a golden age of board games, but it seems like Games Workshop is really struggling. Except for 40K. 40K still continues to do pretty well for them, but fantasy is just dead. But 40K was designed in part to use far fewer figures per army. Yes, exactly. And that's the thing. And that's the, that was like their last gasp for fantasy was the last fantasy rules before the current one was they made it to where you needed an incredible amount of models to play. And it's like... So basically just increased the like, like, we need to sell, please, please yes, buy. Yes. And so now that didn't oh, work. Jesus. So that's, that's the pitch for you, Games Workshop. Go out there and do it. Uh, I'll work remote for... Uh, I will take half a percent of the profits. That's what I'll work for. Half a percent of net profits for life of the game. Um, if you're interested, uh, you can find me at Chuff Money on Twitter. Arthur's at A-G-I-E-S. And James is just a James Faulkner, right? James underscore Faulkner. James underscore Faulkner. Um, didn't, wasn't the first James Faulkner on there. The current James Faulkner is like a consulting firm that tweets about once a year. Is it an egg, or do they have a picture? No, they have a picture. Um, And you can find us all doing stuff on the internet. 
you go to marvelheroes.com and you can listen, you can go play that game. We just put out by the time you hear this, we'll be just about to put out Kitty Pride. So nice. Um and her dragon Lockheed. And uh I'm working on Blade and Iron Fist. So those are announced, right? Like yeah, those are announced. Like, All right. Yeah. Um yeah, I didn't know they were either until I did the live stream earlier today. My boss was like, tell them about Blade and Iron Fist. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's cool then. So I think people would be most is pleased it, with Blade. It's uh, like black dude Blade, not woman Blade, right? I mean, initially, I'm sure. And we may eventually do like a woman Blade skin or sure. something like that. But it is it is very much inspired by Wesley Snipes Blade. Sure. You know? So I can't. Because no one really cares about comics Blade. Well, I think eventually there will be skins and stuff for him. Like, I've, I've seen a lot of people requesting original Blade skin, which, if you're not familiar, it was like 70s Blade. And he had an afro and like a green headband. And he looked like he just got off of like a disco dance floor. So, right. uh, and if you go to IGN.com, you can see the stuff that James does. Though sometimes James appears in videos, but a lot of times James is behind the scene, literally behind the camera or making sure shit goes up. Yeah. So, I mean, my job is a lot of logistics. Yeah. Uh, I'll have a project that, like, I'll be involved in have or involved in heavily that I, I can talk about in a couple of weeks and then you can go to polygon see what arthur's doing including that halo preview uh and then another halo thing friday morning thursday night and then another halo thing sunday night monday morning <laughs> there are three embargoes from that event you go to starwars.com and read the stuff that i write i gotta go home and finish one right now because <laughs> i'm a bad freelancer all right go out there and be kind to one another and i don't know Enjoy your Amiibos For fuck's sake Maybe just have less stuff 